listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. The parade route will be Chaplin Street through to Central Avenue North, and then it will uh, turn left at Optical Image Subway over the overpass before uh, winding down by the Southside Co-op. That's the championship victory parade route, which we are planning after a 3-2 overtime win against the Calgary Headman. Hello, it's the Broncos This Week podcast. I'm Ryan Schweitzer. He's Craig Boschman. Uh, yeah, what a fun game. Uh, is that the same parade route they had uh, in 2018? 2018, we had the big party in the park. Okay, No fair. parade, but a big party in the park. Very well attended. Very emotional speeches. And uh, good times had by all, and many selfies were taken. And, and now we're looking forward to doing it all over again this year because yeah after that win against calgary let's plan the parade route <laughs> yeah what a what an awesome game uh you know it was it was entertaining to say the least i think it's probably the best word you can use to describe that game obviously tough to give up that that late goal but then again it sets up not only the overtime winner but also the penalty shots uh, in overtime that uh polter makes the big save on i mean how i think i said this on the broadcast but how often do you see a penalty shot for each team in the same game not very often and uh you know that was a and that was a difference isaac Poulter with the save and Ethan Renier able to bury. So a very, very entertaining game. Scott Dutart, Swift Current Bronco assistant coach, is going to join us. And yeah, we, we got to talk to Scotty about that because the games that fans find the most entertaining are probably the ones that add the most gray hairs to coaches. So we'll be curious to get his thoughts on the efforts there. Well, in the close games, obviously, I mean, like I said, the the, the late goal is tough, but I think you could, you could almost feel that goal coming. I think for Calgary, there was a lot of times throughout that game when they kind of held the Broncos in for, you know, at least a minute at a time and were just kind of throwing pucks on net from all angles so you know it's it's tough that you couldn't finish it off in regulation but hey it, it does set up the more entertaining and exciting finish with under a second to go in overtime to cap it off and what a what a great atmosphere in the rink it was awesome i could feel the building shake through my through the booth there when uh, when kevin yemi scored so that was awesome to see and um, hopefully we'll see maybe not quite as um you know, a close finish on Friday, but an entertaining game nonetheless. You, you okay with fans hitting the side of the press box when Broncos <laughs> score? Well, I, I, know, I think I noticed that. I don't know if it was during the player introductions, but I'd heard stories about people hitting the bottom of the booth with, you know, what, a broom handles or something. And so I'm sitting there, I think they were doing the player introductions, and all of a sudden I hear, talk, 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 talk. And I was like, okay, yeah. here it is. <laughs> yep, welcome to start. You're okay by that, though? Hey, You're not rattled by no, it? No, it makes it fun. It, 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 it's nice to know that people are engaged, with, which I think is the most important thing. So they were engaged right from the player introductions introductions all the way to the end and it made for a really fun night. Uh, really, really pumped about our feature guest on the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. Last year's captain, uh, one of the newest members of the Swift Current Bronco alumni family. Very, very pumped to have the pride of Moss Bank, Saskatchewan. And Moss Bank has much to be proud of. The pride of Moss Bank, Saskatchewan. Tanner Nagel is going to be joining us. Yeah, that's right. Obviously was the captain for the last half of last year. Uh, you know, worthy the sea with pride, played like a captain should and, and always does. So uh, really awesome to get him on here in town for the first half of this week before he heads down to join the Utah Grizzlies for uh, you know a one-year deal down there in the ECHL. So it was great to get him on and get his thoughts on you know basically his entire Western League career getting to the Western Hockey League, which was a big thing for him after going undrafted, playing Bantam here in Swift Current. So great to have him on. He, he had some awesome stories about uh, you know his, his thoughts on getting traded. Was very open with how he felt getting traded both times from mm-hmm. Portland to Lethbridge and Lethbridge to here. So uh, it was great to have uh, Nags on and uh, really great interview with him. Yeah. That's 
that playoff series, it, it was a weird one, I know, for the Lethbridge boys that came here, for Tanner Nagel, Stuart Skinner, and Giorgio Estefan. Very, very open about that experience, going back to the hostile atmosphere in Lethbridge. And Tanner Nagel, of course, when you, when you think back on blockbuster trades that the Swift Current Broncos have made, I mean, there was Dean McCammond in 1993 at the trade deadline, loading up for that 93 championship run. There was a big deal with the Kootenai Ice, with uh, B.J. Boxman and Duncan Milroy involved back in the day. But, I mean, one of the biggest modern-day trades in league history that uh, Stuart Skinner, Giorgio Estefan, and Tanner Nagel deal that, uh, that brought him here. And it was very, very cool to hear him, uh, you know, talk behind the scenes about that whole process. Yeah, him saying, you know, the conversation that he and uh, he had with, with Skinner when he had found out the trade was going down and they were coming here. And, you know, he said that they're coming to an all-star team. And I guess it was true because they ended up winning the championship and creating uh, an amazing uh, 2018 run here for the Broncos and their fans. So it was awesome to get an eggs on. And with the Bronco organization after that big championship, run you have new leadership coming in a new coach new director of hockey operations and a new culture and tanner nagel a very very key piece in building that new culture for the bronco organization as well all right coming up in just a, a little bit here we got uh, swift current bronco assistant coach scott dutart joining us i guess he drew the short straw this week for for coaches to to be a part of the podcast as well yeah we must have got a rotation going with the three guys whether it's dean brandon or scott coming on and uh, you know this is episode five and scott hasn't been on yet so i guess it was time for him to sit in the hot seat here and uh, jump on and uh, you know, obviously has some great insight, so uh, it was nice to get him on. Alum Tanner Nagel and assistant coach Scott Dutart. Still to come, this is Broncos This Week. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. As is the custom, we have a member of the coaching staff join us uh, each and every week on Broncos This Week, and we have assistant coach Scott Dutart joining us for his maiden voyage aboard our little podcast ship here. How's it going, Scotty? Good, fellas. How are you? So far, so good. Uh, Tanner Nagel on the podcast this week. Looking forward to chatting with him. You know, what are some of, uh, what are some of your memories of Nags. Nags was a, a gritty guy that played. Uh, he played hard every night for us. He uh, he was kind of thrown in the fire into a leadership role for us, and I thought I thought he did a good good job. He uh, he definitely was a fan favorite too. He had a couple a couple good brew ha-has here uh, in front of the hometown crowd, and again he was a, a good guy that uh, helped I think steer our culture where we're going here this season. He talked about some aggressive fans uh, he's seen throughout the league in the playoff run. What have you noticed from the Lethbridge fans? Are those ones he kind of singled out specifically. Have you noticed some <laughs> some tough fans in Lethbridge? Oh, there's some. There's a little bit of animosity there. I think. Uh, again, we didn't. Uh, we had we had some success with Lethbridge last year, but for the most part, they were they were pretty pretty quiet. The move to the Central Division, is that something that the, the coaching staff is putting a lot of weight into? Is is there a different style you feel in the Central than as opposed to the East? Or is that just play your own plan and worry about uh, don't worry about what other teams are doing? I, I think there's a combination of things here. Like I think the first thing's probably looking at just the birth years of the guys. They they have some older players. They have some returning players there. Edmonton should be good. Yeah. 
Calgary has a good club. Um, we 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 had some bounces the other night and had some success, but they're going to be they're going to be tough to play against. Um, Medicine Hat here this weekend coming up. They're fast, so we're going to have to keep our feet moving. Uh, but I think one of the one of the big things for us now is we have a little bit of confidence coming in from preseason, and the biggest thing for us is being proactive and not reactive all the time. And I think we being a younger team last year, we kind of fell into that that. Uh, trap a little bit and we were more on the reactive side waiting for the other team to do something instead of if we have the puck we can control the play well and before we ju- uh, dive into your games this weekend against medicine i guess we'll look back at the one against calgary not the prettiest win in the world but maybe one of the more entertaining ones you've seen lately yeah we'll definitely <laughs> we definitely take the bounces there we uh, we were uh, fortunate coming up there we were we've been working on uh, on our uh, defensive zone coverage with our guys and so they were they had a lot of possession time in the in our d zone but there were there were a lot of good moments there where they didn't didn't get real great opportunities where we we kept them to the perimeter and when they did get pucks to the net Poulter could could see them really clear and again he made a couple big saves though when we needed it yeah and Isaac Poulter you know let's talk about him he, he's a guy this year that you know I'd imagine when you're breaking down matchups and whatnot you're hoping that he's going to be the guy to steal some games, eh? Yeah, no, he was he was fantastic for us, and and again, like even last year too, after after the the trade, he came in and and for a young guy that his age to have that kind of poise and be able to come in and, and close the door, and I, I think that's just that's just going to be one of the guys that that we depend on here this season that that can pull out those big saves when we do have those lapses special teams overall obviously the overtime goal was on the power play you only had six seconds to work with i mean you knew what you needed to do on that power play to execute and get a chance within six seconds and i guess it worked out pretty much the way you drew it up yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, uh, no, Morsey made a fantastic play on that draw. Like when uh, the the boys sat there and, and and Kinger told him exactly where he was putting the puck. And again, he was he was so patient and and waited on that lane. If he would have rushed that pass, it wasn't getting through. So he did a great job of of waiting it out, waiting for that lane to be secure, and then he got the puck to Kivy and and. Uh, Good things happen. <laughs> what does that overtime win mean for this team at this time of the year? Because obviously heartbreak just a few minutes before that when they tie the game with just seconds remaining, you know, as a coaching staff, you know, how, how does that help things getting that W on that date? I, I think that just gives our gives our room and uh, some more confidence and, and some more belief in themselves. They were... I wouldn't say scarred from last year, but it, it was a tough season, and there was a, there was a lot a huge learning curve for them, and so I, I think for some of the ones that are that are second guessing themselves, they I thought they did a really good job of those, those kind of character wins will will help our room for sure. Feel free to comment on this if I'm wrong, but when you look at the Medicine Hat Tigers, does it begin and end in net with Matt Sogard? He's a big body. When I I remember the first game we played with him last season, and and I was looking, I'm like, is he sitting on the crossbar? And like, no, his legs are touching the ground. Like he's he's a he's a big body that uh, that does a great job of swallowing up pucks, and it's hard to get rebounds from him. And the only thing we're going to be able to like for anybody to try and score in a big way like that is trying to get the puck across. So. 
good initial shots that create opportunities and, and getting the puck east-west is, is probably going to be a, a good way to try and score on them. Medicine Hat, historically a team with, uh, you know, built from from the front back, a very top-heavy offensive team with lots of speed. You know, is, is that kind of the scouting report that you're getting on them this year? You know, I mean, obviously you got the big guy in net, but uh, but what about the rest of the team? What do you know about them? Yeah, we're just actually in the middle of watching tape right now and, and, and playing. When we played them early on here in preseason, they had a young team, so it was it was really hard to, to kind of get an indication from them. They have some good young players coming up for sure, but uh, just watch them again. It's they're they're fast. They they like to get the puck up the ice fast, and and again, it's just a matter of if in our in our D zone we got to make sure we keep our feet moving and we have our assignments. and And Brandon's been doing a great job of working on that with our guys here, so I we should be ready. After playing them four times a year over the last number of years, it's now eight times this season with that move to the Central Division. Is there at all a sense of needing to establish that, uh, that rivalry early and get a win in the first game? Well, I'm sure there will be a bit of a courting process with, with all, of our, all of our different uh, t- teams in the division now that we're, gonna, now we're seeing them a little more often. Um, I, I don't think that's going to change, though. You have to take, and, and again, this is really cliche, but you have to take it on a game-by-game basis and try and win each period. So whoever we're playing, we have to be focused and we have to be ready to go. The identity of this team this year uh, for the Swift Current Broncos, you know, what what can fans expect to see on a night-in, night-out basis? Is that something that's been established yet, do you think? Or, or you know, talk about that process. I, I think we're still working on that with our with our leadership group right now. They're, um, we're, I, I see us working really hard in the gym and, and uh, like, off the ice, away from, away from practice and away from games. Our practices have been fairly engaged and fairly heated. We've had some, some good conversations competition and practice too and for us I think we're going to have to be we're going to have to be a lunch pail gang we're going to need everybody to contribute and we're going to have to just keep a simple game and keep a fast game you touched on the leadership group, and I just want to expand on that a little bit. Ethan Renier named captain of the team. You know, what, what was it about 18 that uh, that earned him the seat? Renz is a good kid, and we had um, we always are, are talking with our players, and our our exit interviews there. He was he was fairly passionate in what he what he was saying and what he wanted to bring to the team, and I think that just kind of kind of. Uh, kick things off for us going down that road the other thing like I I saw him this summer he'd be in skating with me in Saskatoon and training and stuff and I'd be off the ice and he's still out there 45 minutes later like that Mm -hmm. that's like in his work ethic that he's had in the gym and, and holding guys accountable like that like those are major attributes that we want that we want to carry forward and we want somebody like that representing our club assistant coach scott dutart on the broncos this week podcast brought to you by original 16 scotty we appreciate you making your way up to the big office here to to get things done today yeah thanks fellas you're listening to broncos this week presented by original 16 the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. Our guest is, uh, I guess you could call him the newest member of the Swift Current Bronco alumni family, former captain Tanner Nagel in the house. How's it going today, Nags? Uh, it's going good. So what, what brings you here to the Innovation Credit Union Iplex? You just got off the ice practicing with the team, uh, getting in shape before the season? Yeah, I head out to Utah on Thursday, so I'm just in town skating with the team, and uh, I'm very happy to be here, and uh Really grateful to Dean and the coaches let me do that. So I got to ask, does it feel weird being on that ice with a lot of your former teammates, but not getting ready to play for the Swift Current Broncos? Yeah, it was weird. Uh, I was at the game the other night, and it was it was tough to watch not being able to play. 
uh, yeah, it's different being out there and not being part of the team, you know. Obviously, I got a lot of friends out there still, but it's it's definitely a different feeling for sure. You, you saw that game, uh, you know, break it down. Are you among those who think that uh, Isaac Poulter got robbed of a three-star appearance? <laughs> yeah, he played unreal. He's, he's unreal. Yeah, you know, th- they played good. Uh, definitely the first game, there's always going to be uh, some bumps in the road. Uh, but they battled through, and a win's a win. I guess we kind of wanted to get your your full story, I guess, next. I know you played your bantam hockey here in Swift Current, so before we kind of go back to you coming here <coughs> as a Western Hockey League player, just your thoughts on playing here as a bantam player because you had two seasons here, and you actually went undrafted in the Western League. Was that kind of a shock and upsetting to you? Uh, yeah, I was definitely upset for sure. Uh, talking to teams, you know, I was supposed to go at some point in the draft, and I didn't, and, yeah, that was a tough time for me, and it, it – uh, you know, it kind of makes a young player feel bad about himself a bit, but uh, I used it as a as a stepping stone and definitely something to work work towards is to get to the league and uh, it kind of gave me a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Yeah, and, and following your two Bantam years, you ended up going to Tisdale for two seasons with the Trojans. Had a bit of an adjustment year that first year, but your second season, I think you went from three points as a rookie to 42 in your second year. Like, what did you eat for breakfast that second year? Uh, did you get that off Elite Prospects? I did, yeah. Yeah, those are wrong. Oh, are they? So what, yeah. what are your real numbers then? I had 44 points both years. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so how did you make that easy adjustment to midget hockey then? Uh, the first few games were tough but as soon as I started uh, playing a little more and getting used to who I was playing with uh, it kind of just came naturally your numbers in Bantam too taking a look at him you were a guy who put up a lot of points in Bantam didn't have the penalty minutes that you would expect Tanner Nagel to have you know when did you kind of find that identity as you know not just a guy who got points but you know kind of a a rough and tumble two-way guy um probably midget you know like obviously I, I had good numbers in midget but uh, I was still that guy who would go and hit guys, and I had a couple fights in midget too. So uh, you're playing against bigger, older guys, and I was a young 15-year-old, and I kind of had to, to uh, play up to those kind of levels, you know what I mean? And same when I got into the league. I was I was 17. I wasn't a very big guy, you know, so I... I kind of just had to keep playing like a bigger person. So, Well, before you went to the Western Hockey League, you ended up playing about almost half the season with the team that I was broadcasting for at the time, the Battle for the North Stars. You so guys go way back. That's right. Yeah. Nags yeah. and I go way back, four years back. But jumping from, I mean, midget or from Bantam to midget, I should say, seems like it was relatively easy stats-wise for you. And then you jump from midget to junior A in the SJHL. How big of a jump was that for you? Uh, again, it was an adjustment period. You know, I didn't play very much as soon as I got there. Uh, it took a few games, a few practices to kind of get my feet wet. But as soon as I started uh, playing more and building that confidence, it kind of just, you know, I just played my game and the stuff kind of happened for me. How did you, uh, how, you broke into the dub with the Portland Winterhawks. How did that work yeah. out? So I went down there as a 17-year-old. I missed uh, my 16-year-old camp. I got sick right before camp, couldn't go. Uh, so I went down as a 17-year-old. Uh, played through camp, uh, didn't get signed, missed the first, so they do like preseason tournaments down there, right? So they, the team went to Everett and played like a preseason tournament, and I stayed in Portland and just practiced with a couple guys who weren't playing too. I wasn't, still wasn't signed, so I wasn't sure how it was going to go, you know, kind of went to the rink every day with my bag packed ready to go home. And then uh, they had another preseason tournament coming up in Tri-City. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. And uh, so then uh, that's the next day we practice, and they pull me out of the room and say, hey, we want to sign you. So, like, obviously I'm going to sign. Like, you know, it's the Western <laughs> Hockey League. Every kid from Saskatchewan dreams of playing the Western Hockey League. So, yeah. 
of course, I signed the papers and I play a couple of games in Tri-Cities. And uh, I remember going back to Portland. We had a pretty hard Monday morning practice. You know, that's how it goes. You get a week off before the regular season starts. So, And then right after practice, they're like, hey, we're going to send you home. Like, we, li- we liked what we saw, but you're just not quite ready yet. Or however that goes, I can't quite remember what they said. You know, anyway. So that's when I head back to Battleford, right? So... And uh, I missed the first game there because I just got there and they played that night or whatever. And yeah, that's kind of how it went. But I was signed and I thought, oh no, like, is it, you're, you know, get sent down, like, it's going to be hard to come back up. Yeah. Especially the next year as an 18 year old, right? So that was tough. But then I play in Battleford for a couple months, enjoyed my time there, loved my time there. I had great teammates, great billets and stuff. And then I get a call and like, Nags, we need you to come up for a couple a couple days. We got some guys down, and it worked out. I I uh, was there, watched the game. Another guy got hurt. They were having some trouble that year, so and I played a couple games with them, and then I kind of just kept hanging around, kind of just the way it goes. Yeah, and I remember coming to the rink for the game. I didn't know you had got called up, so I come to the rink and I checked the lineup, and you're not on the lineup. And I was like, oh, I wonder where wonder where Tanner went. And then <laughs> I think I talked to the assistant coach, Braden Johnson, and he was like, oh, you went to Portland. I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So I can imagine that phone call you get, you know, you're obviously trying to work your way back to getting to the Western Hockey League, but when you get that phone call, I mean, how quickly is your bag packing? You're on the road. Oh, it was crazy. <laughs> I, I had to be in Saskatoon that night, and they called me at, like, 6. <laughs> like... <laughs> I I threw a bunch of stuff together. I left like all my stuff in Battleford like that whole year, like everything. Um, drove to Saskatoon. Of course, it's the first snowstorm of the year too, right? So of course, <laughs> yeah. So drove to Saskatoon. Had a flight the next morning. Get to Portland. I practiced that day. I think as soon as I got there. And then yeah, they just kind of like I said, I took it one day at a time. Kept hanging around. Kept hanging around and. It kind of got to that point where they're not allowed to send you down at one yeah, point in the season. Right. So, you know, I was kind of just keeping my fingers crossed for that day to come. And it just, they decided to keep me. And I guess the rest is history. Yeah. And then you were moved to <coughs> Lethbridge after that first season in Portland where you proceeded to terrorize the Swift Current Bronco <laughs> organization. Just, I, I don't know how many scraps you had against members of the Swift Current Broncos while you were in Lethbridge. But, you know, t- talk about that move, you know, going to Lethbridge. I, I believe it was an off-season trade, wasn't it? No, actually, it was during preseason. Okay. It was right before the regular season started. Yeah. Um, played some. I played a lot of preseason that year, actually. I played a lot of games that year. Um, I played every preseason game except one for Portland. Got traded. Had to drive all the way to Crow's Nest Pass. Play that night. <laughs> like and a neutral site Crow's Nest Pass? Yeah, oh, we wow. played. I think we yeah. played Medicine Hat. So I got traded the day before. Packed up that day. Drove to, I think, Spokane yeah. that night. Stayed there. Drove to Crow's Nest. Played. Then had to drive to Lethbridge after the game. So... And I guess that was your first time, obviously, being traded. You were only 18 years old all the time. But is it just as shocking, no matter how long you've been playing the game, that you get traded for the first time? Yeah, I was I was upset, to say the least. I loved my teammates. I loved Portland. Um, looking back now, it was obviously for the better. You know, uh, my first year in Portland, I didn't play a whole lot. I got one point the whole year. Like. Yeah. Then moving to Lethbridge, you know, my ice time picked up a bit. I kind of took on a bigger role. And, uh, no, it was it was definitely a shock. 
But looking back now, it was definitely the best move for me, and I'm extremely grateful for it. Yeah, and then subsequently part of the the huge blockbuster deal that brought you here, I, I don't think one's out of line in saying it's one of the biggest deals in Swift Current Bronco history. Yourself, Stuart Skinner, Giorgio Estefan coming here. Uh, I want to ask you about the days leading up to that. I mean, you know, in, in the day and age of the Internet, you know, there's always stuff, there's rumors. What was that whole experience like? Yeah, like you said, there's rumors. Um I don't know. No one really knew for sure. Uh, I definitely had a feeling George and Stewie were getting dealt somewhere. You know, they're pretty high-end guys, uh, high-end skill. Uh, I was hearing stuff about me for a while, but you never know with that stuff, right? So, And then I just remember waking up to a phone call one day. It was, it was our coach saying he needed to come into the rink. So that's just kind of how it happened. You hear stuff, but you don't you don't really believe it until it happens. And again, getting traded, I think, is difficult no matter how old you are, how many times it's been done before. But at the same time, you know they're coming here to a team that was completely loading up and going for a championship and where you played Bantam. So yeah. it must have been a kind of a cool moment for you. Yeah, obviously, you know, I was pretty pumped. Like, <laughs> it's just how it was. You know, you know what you're coming to. I know where I was coming to. <clears throat> Sorry, yeah. excuse me. Uh, my girlfriend's from here. I have a lot of friends and family here, so I was pumped. Obviously, I had a great team in Lethbridge, lots of friends, great organization, great billets, all that stuff, great city, but I was excited. I was yeah. pumped, ready to ready to come. We, we talked about this when you arrived in Swift. I think it was an off-mic <clears throat> conversation. Uh, you're arriving to an organization where there's two other guys in that room that I think you've scrapped before. And <laughs> You know what? The, the dynamics in the room, I'm curious <coughs> to know what that was like in the early stages because, you know, you and Giorgio and Stewie came in and then there was also Gennaro and Malenstein and Beck was just coming mm -hmm. back from injury. Like, you had a lot of... It, it was basically an all-star team coming together and, you know, in terms of chemistry and whatnot, you had the U.S. swing right away too. Like, yeah. what was it like kind of coming together as a group with all um, those different moving parts well like you said all-star team like i think that's the first thing i said to Stu when we got treated like we're going to an all-star team there's like guys like glenn godden uh tyler steenberg and hippo like all those yeah. guys it was unreal uh but like you said there was a lot of moving parts uh coming in but you know just the group we had like everyone got yeah got along so well together and just a great bunch of guys like it was it was a lot of fun and we had a lot of fun quick so uh, it wasn't that big of transition like it was a couple of days we're like oh who's this who's that and then we hit the road like you said for the u.s swing and everyone was hanging out together like having a lot of fun playing cards on the bus like it was a pretty easy transition now, that, that division that you come into, obviously the Broncos didn't end up finishing first in the division. Rusha was ahead of them, but that was probably the most difficult division in the Western Hockey League that season. So you knew that you're going to have to really bring your A game every single night when you got traded here. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Regina, Musha, everyone in that division was crazy. Brandon, like, you knew uh, every night you had to show up, and if you didn't, you were probably going to lose. And we showed up a lot of nights. Well, yeah, and you had two seven-game wars for the <laughs> yeah. first round of the playoffs. And, I, you know, I think that's really where the trades for you and Josh Anderson came in because, you know, you're a guy, you provided a lot of energy, you know, third line, you know, Andy, a big rough-and-tumble defenseman. Yeah. Like, is that – were you – I imagine you were probably heralded as one of the unsung heroes of, you know, those two series that ended up being real wars of attrition. <laughs> I don't know. I, I try to come in and do my job. You know, Andy, he's a, he's a big dude. He's a great guy, too, and he does his job really well. Um, tough guy, not not afraid to mix it up a bit. Uh, I don't know. 
like you said, people might call me an unsung hero. I just think of it as doing my job. It's what I was here to do, and I'm happy to do it. Well, and after you got through those two seven-game series, you, of course, as fate would have it, match up against your former team in the third round. Yeah. So was it? Yeah. Was there more motivation on your side? I mean, it must have been kind of weird to be skating on the other side of the ice when you were just teammates with those guys two months before. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, no one really saw that coming, but... It is what it is. It's hockey. When as soon as the puck drops, you got no friends on the other team. But after the game, you know, you talk to well, not really after the game, but after the series, you go and say, "Hey, how's it going? Great series, kind of thing." But yeah, as soon as the puck drops, it's all business. So it doesn't matter who's on the other side. That first, you know, warm ups and stuff. As soon as we got the Lethbridge, was yeah, it was a little weird, but yeah, that's how it goes. Yeah, it, you know, that was such a weird series, too, because, I mean, you know, Giorgio and Skinner in particular, they were two guys that started their career there. They yeah. were there a lot of years, and the fans totally turned on them. Like, I <laughs> yeah. remember that. And, you know, what What was that like down on the bench, you know, just in – because, I mean, Lethbridge fans, they that's a hostile atmosphere. You know? Yeah, they're crazy. Uh, I was surprised to see that, actually. You know, Stu and George put a lot of years, years in there. They worked hard for that team, that organization, those fans, like – I was, I was almost like kind of upset about it for them. You know, Stu, he had an interview. He said he uh, he used it as motivation, and they helped us win. Yeah. So like those guys just turned that into fire for them. Well, and speaking of hostile fans, you know, I'm I'm new here. I'm learning all these rivalries. But you play Regina. I've heard is one of the biggest ones, and Moose Jaw is the closest team here. And then you talk about the Lethbridge fans. So were the fans getting more and more, I guess, aggressive? You could say as the playoffs went along. Do you think? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Um, you know, Regina, yeah, that's a big rivalry, and that was a tough series. You don't notice the fans as much in Regina building. Swift, you notice them here because <laughs> we got unreal fans here. Uh, Moose Jaw, uh, for me, it's a little different. I have a lot of friends and family here in that area too, right? So I kind of notice the good fans, you know. <laughs> yeah. But definitely you get those little kids hanging over the edge yelling at you when you're walking out the tunnel in Moose Jaw. <laughs> but, yeah, you get to Lethbridge, and they're just – they tear you apart. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what their deal was. They've, no. had, they've had a cuff, tough couple of years there, though, so I well, kind of get it. And then fans, too, you go there in baseball season, too. Like, they're ruthless. And they're smart hecklers, too. <clears> like, <throat> they understand the ins and outs of the game. It's yeah. a tough, tough market to play in no matter what you're doing. But, uh, you know, that, that takes us to the beginning of last year. You know, I, I think you guys ran without a captain for the first half of the season because, I mean, you weren't really sure who was going to be on the move. It, it must have been a challenging year, you know, saying goodbye to, to a lot of teammates. And, yeah, you know, a lot of those guys dealt for draft picks. So, I mean, it was a tough play playing through you know when those guys are being dealt and you're not getting anyone in return at that time yeah you know it's weird uh draft picks you don't like me obviously i'm not really gonna see how that turns out but yeah like starting from the beginning like we had a lot of 20 year olds and stuff here i think there was what four or five of us to start mm. so you see elds go pretty early that was a tough one um fighty later on in the season just yeah sob in the off season yeah yeah, yeah i talked to him when that happened yeah i was pretty upset about that one too like it, it doesn't matter if you're 20 or whoever you were like we had some guys moving patty kinger like those guys um really good friends of mine i mean that whole team was so it's tough to see those guys go uh but you know it's for the best for them and yeah like you said draft picks it's hard to see kind of the upside to it personally but i know it's going to help the team out down the road so you just you just don't think about it. Obviously, the championship season is one you'll never forget. But I think is there is there ways you can remember last season as well. Obviously, it was a very difficult year standings wise and that kind of thing. But are there things from that year that you'll hold to that same you know memory value as it did that championship season? 
Oh, yeah. You know, my last season was a lot of fun. Like, we had a great group. So, obviously, championship is always going to be the highlight. Like, nothing tops winning, right? So, but, yeah, I had some good times last year. Good games, like, personal and as a team and off the ice. And it was fun. Like Goal of the year in Vancouver for the organization, <laughs> I would say. I remember you kind of got jobbed on Bronco v. Bronco there. I thought that that one was going to keep going and going. But I don't know. I, th- I think maybe one of the competitors' families got heavily involved. In <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, a good year for you after the trade deadline, you know, getting the C for the Swift Current Broncos. We talked earlier in this interview about how you just had to battle to get into the league, and yeah. you got to finish with a C on your jersey. Yeah, you know, that was obviously a great honor for myself, too, the to- to be able to wear the C and help lead the team to finish the season. And, um, like you said, we didn't have a captain for most of the year, but, you know, there's tons of leaders in the room anyway. You don't need to wear a letter to be a leader. So, Well, and speaking of finishing the season, once the regular season was over, you end up going down for a trial with the Utah Grizzlies. So, I mean, how did that all come together? Or, you know, what was the initial contact with the team and yourself? Well, uh, my agent was actually looking – at other teams for me to go down and just get a get a taste of it you know a lot of players do that after their careers and after their season you know whether it's in the east coast or the a and you know you just get a little little taste of pro hockey and uh, i wasn't sure what was going to happen and i played a lot of video games with josh anderson so <laughs> uh, i was talking to him and he kept saying how short they were and i i was like well should i talk to my agent he said yeah do it so i got my agent to phone utah and they were gracious enough to give me a tryout down there and ended up playing nine games or whatever and it was a lot of fun I it's a great city Uh, we went on a pretty long road trip too I was there and that was a lot of fun too like I kind of got to see the ins and outs of the league and meet some of the guys and see kind of what hockey's like on the other side there so it was a lot of fun so you're practicing with the the Broncos now your old team and you're, you're getting set to depart this week sometime yeah I leave on Thursday actually what uh, what conversations have you had with the coaching staff? Like, what's what are they expecting out of you this year, and what are what are you hoping to accomplish? Uh, you know, we haven't really talked about my role yet. I would imagine it's going to be similar to what it's always been. You know, just a guy that comes in and works hard and does what he can to help the team. And um, personally, I just want to go down there and just learn. You know, uh, learn what it's like to play pro hockey and continue to grow my game and just get better each and every day well and speaking of learning i mean i'm wondering how we've talked about the jump from banner and midget midget to junior but junior to pro now i mean when you get there is it an eye-opening experience the second you kind of walk into that locker room for the first time um yeah obviously you know when it's new it's it's different so when i got there it was a lot different and living on your own and coming into the rink and seeing older guys you know you're not playing guys two three year old there's there's guys 10 years older than you like it's just how it goes and uh yeah, it's going to be a different experience, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, and people talk about the Western League travel being pretty brutal, but I looked up your first road trip when you were there, uh, Utah Grizzlies to the Allen Americans. That's a 19 and a half hour bus ride. Like, that must have been crazy. No, we flew out. Oh, did you? Yeah, okay, there you go. I, I, think, uh, I think we fly we fly out to kind of the middle of our road trips, and then we bus from there, so... So with those years in the WHL, you, you have some education money waiting for you as well. Is is Has that entered the thought <clears throat> process? Is it more or yeah. less roll the dice with pro and see where uh, that leads? Well, the way it works with the East Coast, like I can go play for a year and I say I still have my scholarship. I just have to come back and redshirt a year. But I was actually registered at the U of R. Yeah. But uh, I got a contract offer with Utah and 
it was uh, it was I don't know something I wanted to try. Yeah. Obviously, school is going to be there for forever, and uh, obviously, I just want to give give myself a chance. Do you have any personal goals for the season? Is there like a certain you know goal totally you want to hit? Just team success? Do you think there's something you want to re- reach down there? Uh, I haven't really thought about it. Obviously, uh, the first year is always tough. You know, you got to learn uh, how I want to play and what I really want to focus on and I don't really have a number in mind but you know I definitely want to get some points like but yeah definitely just team success and just learning and getting better myself like that's all I'm really focused on we're like turning into his dads on the podcast here <laughs> what are your plans for the future you using the education money what's going on there but no. uh, you know I remember your folks they were uh, all in on the the playoff run a few years ago and yep. you know being moved to Swift Current you know Moss Bank's not too far away you know uh, that that must have been fun too allowing you know mom and dad and the whole Nagel clan to, yeah. to follow the team and make it easy with a couple of your playoff opponents too eh? yeah well my parents bought season tickets so (laughs) just uh like you said it's not very far it's still a bit of a drive but you know uh i think they enjoyed having me close to home i've been far away from home for since i played midget like this was like six hours from moss bank so um it was nice to be back close to home and uh yeah like you said we played musha it's only a 40 minute drive from moss bank they'd come watch regina they'd come watch um yeah, they they traveled to Lethbridge on in our run there, like for the playoff series. So, yeah, they're they're definitely uh, hockey fans, uh, Swift Current Bronco fans for life, I'd imagine now. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, it's, like you said, they they I have a great family, and uh, it was unreal to have them at a lot of games. Swift Current Bronco alumni and a man whose name will forever be on the captain's wall in the room, Tanner <laughs> Nagel. We really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast for Original 16, winding things down. Loaded show today. Awesome to catch up with uh, Tanner Nagel, and we certainly wish him best of luck as uh, he looks to crack the roster and make an impact with the Utah Grizzlies of the ECHL. Yeah, and uh, might be joined by a former teammate of him here uh, in Swift Current. Josh Anderson could be potentially playing there as well. I think he played there uh, most of last season. Obviously, Anderson will be trying to crack the Colorado Eagles uh, AHL team, but uh, could end up down there in Utah with uh, Tanner Nagel, so it'll be cool to see those guys reunited once again uh, but yeah awesome to have on and, and like we said best of luck to him uh, he's got a one-year deal there so a chance to sort of see what full life as a pro is like and uh, see if he wants to continue down that path you know th- this is a crazy league because you get kids who are coming in and playing at age 16 sometimes the odd 15 year old affiliate player and then you get men who are 20 and <laughs> josh anderson was a man among boys like just big dude full beard like tattoo sleeve and everything so we certainly wish uh, a alum Josh Anderson luck as well as he tries to make his way up the Colorado Avalanche organization. Fun fact about Josh Anderson, he also played in the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge on one of the Team Canada teams, uh, one of the Bronco alums who has been a part of that tournament. And, uh, of course, that is going to be rolling into Swift Current. The first game is going to be Saturday, November 2nd. Team Canada Red against Russia. Let's have a Canada-Russia game right here in Swift Current. I'm not sure that that's ever happened. Yeah, there's uh, obviously with the U-17s, there's always three Canadian teams 
teams they send red, white, and black. So, like you said, the first one there on the second with Canada red versus uh, Russian. And again, it's not like it's all Western League prospects on Canada red, all OHL prospects on Canada black. They mix them all together. So you'll see players playing in that game that you would never get a chance to watch here in Swift Current regardless. And I can almost guarantee you there will be former NHL players on all of these teams as well. So a really Future cool NHL chance. Players. Well, and yeah, sorry. That's what I mean. <laughs> and uh, a really cool chance to see some of these guys play. But uh, the other games that are happening here, I mean, Sweden, Finland on uh, Sunday, November 3rd. Uh, you got uh, Russia, Finland on the 4th. I mean, there's games here. Canada Red, Sweden on uh, the 4th as well. So there's a ton of games here. And, and when you go to the end of the tournament, for some reason, I just assumed that all the quarterfinal, semifinal, final would be played in Medicinet with that big Canalta Center rink. But no, there's quarterfinal games here. And there's even a semifinal game here being played uh, at the Innovation Credit Union Iplex. So there's going to be some really high-end players here playing in this tournament and a really awesome atmosphere, especially for those Team Canada games. Swift Current Bronco alums who have played in this tournament in years gone by, Glenn Godden, Beck Malenstein, Stuart Skinner, and the aforementioned Josh Anderson. So uh, a few uh, guys who played in this tournament who ended up making huge impacts and uh, moving on to play pro. So the World Under-17 Hockey Challenge. It's going to be a great time here in Swift Current. If you want to get tickets, they're available at the stable. And you can also go to the City of Swift Current website, swiftcurrent.ca, and click on the What's New link to get a full tournament schedule and to be able to pick up your tickets that way. So that'll do it for another edition of the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. He's Craig Boschman. I'm Ryan Schweitzer. See you next week. You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.